Thank you so much for joining us online today at Christ Covenant Church. We hope you sense God's presence and are encouraged by the message. I am, what do I always say? Super stoked. I am super stoked to get into this morning's message as we are going to be looking at and dissecting the importance of one of the most famous miracles performed by Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you guys, but when I get an opportunity to read about miracles, let alone preach about miracles, like when I read about them or anything, like they, they, they're so encouraging to me. They are so, so encouraging to me because miracles in the Bible, they make me look at my own life and they offer me kind of a different perspective on a circumstance that I might be going through. Like we talked about like uh, the lion's den, right? Like at least I haven't been thrown into a lion's den before, you know? God closed the mouths of the lions. It makes me look at my own life and be like, you know what? I'm, sometimes I might get myself in a tough situation, but I serve a God of miracles. Can I get an amen? Like we serve a God of miracles, and I am excited to talk about one of his miracles. And also, the most important thing, and I just I love this, especially about the miracles of Jesus, they proclaim the divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They proclaim it. If he was just a guy that said he was God, and didn't have anything to back it up, then yeah, he might have been crazy. But <laughs> this guy was not crazy. He is the one true God, Jesus Christ. And uh, we can look at these miracles and they give us that evidence. And when we talk about the miracles of Jesus, we're going to be talking about the proof, the evidence of Christ's divinity. So let's build some excitement this morning. 9 a.m. was hyped. Like I was, uh, you know, or the 9 a.m. service at 9.30, I was actually impressed by how hot they were. So I'm excited about it. So let's dive into it. If you got a copy of God's word, if you'll please turn with me to John chapter 2, like I mentioned earlier, like we're going to be looking at uh, one of Christ's most famous miracles, spoiler alert, he turns water into wine. So if you didn't know that yet, sorry. Let's take a look. Scripture, John 2 verses 1 through 11. It's, I'm reading out of the NIV, it's going to be on the big screen behind me, um, so you can follow, follow along in your Bibles or just check it out behind me. And it goes a little bit like this. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. They didn't just show up. They were invited. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And Jesus was like, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I love that she doesn't even acknowledge what Jesus just said. He, she just turns to like the servants like, just do what he says. Like she just, she knows Jesus can do it. And so she's just like, hey, do what he says. And so uh, nearby stood six, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons that's a lot of gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana, 
of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. The title of my message this morning is Faith to the Brim. Faith to the Brim. Will you bow your heads with me? Well, Lord God, I know I've said it so many times, but I, I am excited. I'm excited to, to, to go through this message, Lord. Right now, in this moment, I continue to invite your Holy Spirit in here right now. Lord God, speak through me. I've got things planned, but this is your service. Speak through me, Lord God. If there's something you want me to say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to hold back. Lord, I, I pray for those here in the building and those tuning in online that you would make our, 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 our hearts, our minds open to something that you would have us here, Lord God. We invite your spirit in. We thank you for that opportunity that you made for us to have moments like this where we can invite you in. Be with us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Faith to the brim. I already said it twice. I say it one more time. Whatever. There is so much to this passage, but I want to focus on just a few things, okay? Just a few things of it. First, it's important to know a little context about the time period and the significance of this miracle. Like, I like to know a little bit about what I'm reading, okay? Wine, if you didn't know, back then was a huge, huge thing when it came to weddings in that time. Like, it was a necessity, okay? Like, seriously, you needed to have it. You can almost consider it like a selling point back then. Like, I don't really want to go to their wedding. Y'all, they're, they're going to have some good wine. Okay, I'll go. Like, it was a selling point, okay? Like, people went because they knew that there was going to be wine, okay? So, for a bride and groom to run out of wine at their wedding, basically the worst thing that could have happened. Seriously. Probably the worst thing that can happen. So can you imagine the stress that the bride and groom are, 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 are dealing with in that moment? Like, married people in the room, let me talk to you for just a second, okay? Think about your wedding day. Picture it. You can close your eyes. It's okay. Think about your wedding. Think about the hours that you put into making every little thing perfect, okay? Like picking the day, picking the venue, picking the right wedding planner, okay? Unmarried people, picking the right person to marry, Okay, like there's some important steps that go into a successful wedding, okay? Like, and, and here's the thing, you're excited to start getting all that stuff together at first, but then what happens? Man, you slowly start to realize there is so much more to a wedding than you realized. Like, you, you're like, look, there's so much to this. And okay, I'll be honest. It's very evident that I am speaking from a male perspective, okay? If you didn't know, yes, I am speaking from a male perspective. Uh, because <laughs> I know things can be a little different because I know for a fact that there's some ladies probably in here. You've got your dream wedding already planned out on Pinterest. Anybody? Like you got it down to the cups, down to the cups. Like we're using mason jars with little yarn wrapped around it. And like you're picking this color flower and you're going to use this like centerpiece. Like you got it all planned out, seriously. And I know this because my wife, Anissa, uh, she would show me her Pinterest when we were still dating. Like here's our perfect wedding. What do you think? And I'm like... I got, I, we got some things we got to do first, you know, like, but it was fun. It was fun. But even though she spent all that time on Pinterest, even though we had this idea of what our wedding was going to be like, and our wedding was awesome. Don't get me wrong. It was amazing. But even we were shocked to find out how much goes into it. Like there's a lot that goes into weddings. And I can tell you, at least for me, after all that work that we put into the wedding, okay, all that time, like all the meetings like the food tasting, like what colors are we going to wear, what flowers are we going to use, 
Like, I didn't realize how much veils cost. Y'all, what? Like, I didn't get it. And, and let's be honest, all the money, okay? Like, all the money that goes into a wedding, all of that, if something crazy happened, like, we're having our wedding and we run out of food before everybody gets fed, y'all best know I would be stressed. And I can only imagine how Anissa would have been. Like, <laughs> babe, I love you, but bridezilla, right? Like, that would have been crazy. Yeah, we would've, that would have been crazy. And so now... Now let's get back to the bride and groom and Cana. They must have been stressed because these weddings, they weren't like a, like a spend $50,000 and then celebrate for three hours. These things were like days long and they ran out of wine pretty early. So it was, it was huge. You know, people would come from different towns and they didn't have cars back then, if you didn't know. So it took a while for them to get there, for them to run out of wine at their wedding. Ooh, horrible thing to happen. And I'm serious about this. Like, upon my study for this message, I found really interesting facts about this very situation, running out of wine at a wedding back then. Now, what I'm about to tell you, it's not directly from the Bible, okay? So take it with a grain of salt. But I did a little research here. I dug in, right? And I uh, did some research about weddings back then at that time, and I wanted to share them with you. And some of these things... I never even thought about. Like, it didn't even cross my mind to consider it. So when I really dug in preparation for this message, I was shocked to find out some of these things. So here are some facts about running out of wine. Brought to you by Pastor Dante, Christ Covenant Church, trademark. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Number one, it was a symbol of joy. Okay? It was a symbol of joy. Here's what I mean by that. In that time... Rabbis considered wine to be a symbol of joy and for the bride and groom to not have enough wine was symbolic of them not having happiness. So people at their wedding, they run out of wine and they're like, this marriage ain't looking too good out the get-go. Like they are not happy. They have no joy. They don't even have any wine. Like, did we get them a gift? I'm taking it back. Like it was bad. Like for them to run out of wine was horrible considered a symbol of joy they didn't have any wine so people already judging them all right already judging them at their wedding like y'all if you get invited don't judge people when you invite to the wedding okay just celebrate okay goodness gracious number two here's a little fact it was a social embarrassment for them to run out of wine during their wedding huge social embarrassment like imagine how embarrassed you would be if like you uh invite some people over for dinner okay like, you want to have a dinner party. Like, hey, guys, come on over. I'm going to make chicken. I don't know. I'm going to make some food. You guys come on over and enjoy some food with me. And then you get home, and you got, like, an hour left. And, uh, you, you know, you're trying to start to prep everything. And you realize that you didn't thaw out the chicken. And so you don't have chicken. And you got people coming over to your house, and you don't have anything to offer them at a dinner party. Can you imagine? How, I would be embarrassed. All right, imagine you go to somebody's house, they invite you for dinner, and they don't have dinner. Like, I'm leaving, okay? Straight to Burger King. Me and Anissa, right to Burger King. We're going to go get a hamburger. We're going to enjoy it, okay? It would be a huge social embarrassment, and it would literally haunt them the rest of their marriage. People in that town would be like, that's the couple that didn't have wine at their wedding. Seriously. Like, it would haunt them. Haunt them. And uh, this next fact, man, I'm telling you, I didn't, I never even considered it. Number three, it was basically illegal. Basically illegal. And here's what I mean by that is it would even be likely impossible 
that people could actually take legal action against the couple for not providing enough wine for their guests. Imagine if you could still do that today, man. There'd be a lot of lawsuits. That'd be crazy. Be like, hey, bro, (laughs) there's no Pepsi here, man. I'm taking you to court. Like, like, you know, that's crazy. That's crazy. And they could literally take them to court and be like, they didn't have enough wine at their wedding. And the judge would be like, oh, this is a reasonable case. Like, that's ridiculous. Needless to say, for them to run out of wine, as I've said before, worst thing that could have happened for them. But lucky for them who was in attendance, Jesus, Jesus was there. Jesus was there. Yeah, you can clap for Jesus. That's okay. Jesus was in attendance. And this miracle, it had so many different positive effects to it. It blessed so many different people. And this is such a testament to the goodness of God. When he performs this miracle, it's not just for the bridegroom. It's basically for everybody there. Let's take a look at how this miracle, it affected so many people there. Here's some positives of the miracle. Number one, Jesus shared the glory. Jesus shared the glory. The obedience of the servants also brought glory to the servants. What do we read? They did as Jesus asked when they brought the wine to the master of the feast. They were blessed by the master of the feast because he did not know where that wine came from, only that the servants brought it to him. So the master of this feast, man, he's praising these servants. Thank you for this wine. This is amazing. Like, this is so good. A miracle performed by Jesus, and the servants are getting a piece of that glory. Don't you want a taste of the glory? See what it tastes like. Like, it's good. It tastes good. I don't know. I just figured I'd go with that one. I don't know if it's good or not. I, I like to think of it like this. Imagine you lose your phone, okay? You lose your phone, and uh, you don't know where it is. You've been looking for it. You've been calling it. You even have, like, the the iPhone thing where you can track your phone, but you can't find it. And then somebody brings you your phone. Somebody brings it to you. And I don't know about you. I might be talking to a younger generation here, but a lot of us are kind of dependent on our phone. Like we constantly have it. So when we don't have it, we get this like kind of stress. That's a whole other message. But either way, you don't have your phone. Somebody brings you your phone. Are you going to ask them a million questions? No. You're going to be like, hey, thanks for bringing me my phone, right? And that's what the master of this feast did to these servants He praised them, shared that glory. Number two, they went from being socially embarrassed to socially complimented. The master of the feast responded with, you saved the best wine until now. This statement turned the bride and groom's potential social disgrace into a public compliment. Instead of being known for running out of wine, they will be known for saving the best wine until the end, which was not normal. I've got a little theory, again, just a theory, that maybe I bet you people after in that town, like they started saving the best wine until the end because they wanted to be like that couple. They were like, hey, we're going to save it for the end, you know, it's whatever. It was like that new hip thing to do. I'm not sure, but I, you know, in my mind, that's how it is. You can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> they saved the best wine to the end, and that was not normal, so these people would now, instead of saying they didn't have wine, to, hey, they had the best wine, and it was at the very end. Here's number three. I, I, think, I think this is awesome, too. The wine wasn't just there to be drank completely at that wedding. It was an amazing wedding gift that Jesus Christ gave to them. Because the amount of wine that was made more than likely means that it was not all consumed at the party. What was it, like 30 gallons tops with six, six, 12, 18, 180 gallons of wine, no, that ain't happening at one wedding, okay? I don't care how long they're there, that's not happening, 
okay? Meaning that the bride and groom, they had the opportunity to sell it after the wedding was over, making the wine a likely income source well after that party was over. Like, I had never thought about that, but I was, that's, that's probably what happened. They took the wine home with them, and then they started selling it. So Jesus not only blesses them with the best wine ever for the end of their wedding, it's also something that they can make money off of afterwards. Like, Jesus knows how to give some gifts. So this miracle was much more than providing a beverage for people at a wedding. It was an opportunity for Christ Jesus to bless those in attendance, and more so, the opportunity to prove his divinity among all the guests. What I'm really trying to say is that you should invite Jesus to your wedding, okay? Like I'm telling you, he'll make it the best wedding ever, okay? <laughs> and I know you're like, okay, I got all these facts about wine. Okay, that's, that's cool, that's awesome. Like where's the spiritual relevance? I'm glad you asked. We're getting into it right now. With all those things being said, there's some characters in this event that I wanna focus on. And it's characters that I feel like we can all learn from. We can learn from them a lot. I wanna look at the servants at this party. And more so, how we as Christians, believers, can model our lives after them. You see, this story, it mirrors what obedience to the Lord can do in our lives. You see, notice that when the servants at the wedding are asked to do something, they did as they were asked. They did it. We see this starting in verse 5. It says, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stones, stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. You see, when we read this, it's important to look at the lives of the servants and more so to look at their actions what did they do? How did they do it? When we do this, we can see how we need to live out our own lives, which brings me to my, to my point this morning. I only got one point this morning, but honestly, it's the only point that I need, baby. Point number one, live by faith. Live by faith. Thank you. Y'all, like, that point right there, like, that could be the only point that you need, like, for your Christian walk. Like, live by faith, all right? See, Jesus asked them to fill the pots, and what do they do? They filled them. <laughs> so simple, but so important. They didn't ask why. They didn't question Jesus, even though he was just a guest and not their master. They followed his instructions. Parents in the room, let me, let me holler at you for a second. Parents in the room. I'm not a parent yet, but being the student pastor here at the church, I work with the kids all the time, so I feel like I can at least relate to this a bit. And some of you parents out there, I deal with your kids on Wednesdays, okay? So I can definitely speak into this. Parents, what if when you ask your kids to do something, they just did it right away? Oh, oh my goodness. Lord Jesus, I pray that over everyone here, for real. For real, like, do you receive? Yeah, for real. Like, not only did they do it right away, they didn't ask why, as if explaining it to them would somehow make it any more or less important. Like, why do you want me to do this? Like, because I asked you to, I don't know. You can't just leave your shoes like on the sofa, you know what I'm saying? Like they didn't complain or argue, they just did it. Sounds pretty great, right? <laughs> I 
I mean, I know, dude, some of the volunteers here for Wednesdays are here. Y'all, how many times have we got to explain the rules to a game to the students, y'all? Like, it's not that hard, okay? You're just trying to grab a cup. Like, it's not that difficult. I'm sorry, I digress. <laughs> when, we, when we take a look back at the text there, there's a part in verse 7 that is so easy to read over without catching its importance, without catching its relevance, but it holds so much wisdom in it. It's it, just a short little spot, short little verse. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Filled them to the brim. So not only did they do exactly what they were asked, but they did it as the, as the best as they could, filling the jars all the way up. Yo, that, that, that's not just obedience. That's obedience and beyond, right? Like, parents, imagine you ask your kid to mow the, mow the lawn, and they mow, and they edge, and they do the weeds, and then they do the bush. Like, oof, that would be great. <laughs> that's what these servants did. Not only did they do what they were asked, they did it to its maximum capacity. And this is where I get the title of my message this morning, Faith to the Brim. The servants, they, they could have filled the jars up halfway. Yeah. They could have filled the jars up three-fourths of the way. But that's not what they did. They filled them up all the way and in doing so maximized the miracle that Jesus then performed. In Christ's covenant, this needs to be the pattern of our faith and obedience. If we believe in him, let's believe in him up to the brim. If we are to love him, let's love him up to the brim. And if we are commanded to serve him, let's serve him up to the brim. Like that's what we're called to do as Christians, as believers. This is how we ought to live out our faith. Tony, will you help me finish this service? To the brim. We should never be content with sleepwalking our way through this life without ever going all in on what we say we believe. You call yourself a Christian? Let's live by faith. And I know that's challenging. You may have said some words and accepted Jesus into your heart, but is there evidence there? Is there an evidence through your actions? Our faith isn't guaranteed by what we do, but if we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, there should be some fruit there. If nothing has changed, I would ask yourself, did you really invite Jesus into your heart and let him work inside you? Because we need to ask ourselves these questions as believers. We need to wake up every day with the fire of the Lord on our hearts. This is what we're called to do. And Christ's covenant, this is what I'm praying we would do. And I say we because, hey, I'm a work in progress. All right? I, I am. A lot of the times I'm writing messages and I'm like, oh, that cuts kind of deep, but I'll say it. Like, it's tough. And I understand, again, this is challenging, but it should be. It should be. We need to get in the habits of following the calling that God has on our lives without question. Because I'm telling you, when we live this way, ooh, the Lord works. He works. What are we called? The church. The hands and feet, right? The hands and feet of God. God is the head. All right? When we live by faith and when we're spiritually in tune, reading our scripture, praying, fasting, doing those things that, that help us really focus in on what the Lord is trying to say to us, that's when we can walk and that's when we can grab things as a church. This is a church building. We are the church. We want to accomplish things for the kingdom. We need to live our faith to the brim. 
If we can do that, ooh, I'm telling you, he responds to our faith, just like he did in the scriptures. Not just in this miracle, but throughout the entire Bible, God is moved by faith. You can see in the Old Testament, you can see in the New Testament, constantly moved by our faith. So we we need to have that same obedience in our lives that the servants had at that wedding. And I'm not saying, again, our faith is not transactional, okay? God's not like a cosmic Coke machine where we like put in a coin and then we get something. Like that's not how he works, okay? But I am saying that when we act a little bit out of our comfort zone, even a lot out of our comfort zone, and start to try to accomplish things for the kingdom, the Lord is moved by that. Let me ask you this. If you're struggling to find an answer in your life, you're dealing with something. And, and you really want to answer from the Lord. Like you're, you're tired of Dr. Oz or whatever, whoever people get their advice from these days. Social media. You're like, okay, I don't, I don't want to get my advice from there. I want advice from God. And you genuinely want advice from God. Let me ask you something. What would be more effective? Saying a short prayer? Hey, there is nothing wrong with a short prayer, okay? I'm just saying, do you think it would be more effective to say a short prayer? or to spend time dedicated to prayer and fasting for this huge decision that you're trying to make. I think it's evident. Prayer and fasting, it's, I hate to say it, but amongst Christians, it's kind of a lost art. That's why we have seasons here at Christ's Covenant. Sometimes for prayer and then sometimes for prayer and fasting because it's important. Jesus even says in some scriptures that certain things can only be accomplished through prayer and fasting. That's how important it is. And yet so many of us neglect to do that and we wonder why we're having trouble hearing from the Lord. Are you giving him time? Here's another thing. When you are praying, are you just talking? Or are you giving time, the, the, the Lord time to respond? That's why I, I took a moment here before service. I did it last service. I did it this service where I just, I just said, hey, like, let's, let's, let's dwell in the stillness of God. So often we are so quick. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I need this. Oh, it's dinner time. Like, Leave some room for him to respond and believe that he will respond. Don't just say it and be like, well, we'll see what happens. Have some belief there. Have some faith there. Dedicated time in prayer and fasting would make hearing that answer from the Lord easier. When we spend time away from our phones, away from the distractions of the world and dig in to the word of God, the Bible, it makes those decisions a lot easier and a lot clearer to make. That to the brim kind of faith is what we need. It's what we're called to have in our faith. I mean, y'all, imagine what we could accomplish for the kingdom living like that. Imagine. Like, imagine what your home life would be like. Imagine what your relationships would be like. Your work life would be like. Oh, the ministry opportunities. I'm telling you, you don't need a mic and a podium to preach the gospel. You preach the gospel through your life. And that's how it should be. People at work should be asking you, why are you so happy? Why are you different? Why do you have hope? And the answer inevitably is that spirit of God living inside of you. And when we are living and acting out on our faith, man, so much can happen. Imagine how fulfilling your life would be. So I want to challenge you, Christ Cup. Challenge myself. Take some steps in faith. Step out of your comfort zone and step in to the glory of God in your lives. Let's live our lives full. 
let's live out our faith to the brim. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, I thank you for this morning. I feel like I said everything I wanted to say and then some. Lord God, I, I, I ask right now for continuation of your spirit to just continue to pour over us, continue to flow inside of us, to give us the boldness and the strength to live out our faith to the brim. It's easy to say it, another thing to do it, Lord God. So I pray, pray as we leave this place today that we'll go out and, and just look for those opportunities to live by faith. Look for those moments. You know, it could be something, something simple, you know. You feel like you need to pray for a friend and so you don't wait. You don't just tell them you're going to pray for them, but you pray for them right then and there. I pray for that type of obedience, Lord God, in our lives. And Lord, I continue, as I felt on my heart, I continue to lift up those in this season, in this holiday season that, are, that, are, that aren't feeling very cheerful, that aren't feeling very joyful, but have a great pain on their heart. Lord God, I lift them up to you. Pray that your spirit of comfort would fall over them, Lord Jesus. Those dealing with loss, those dealing with relationships, those dealing with financial stress, physical pain, whatever it is, Lord God, you are our great physician, and so we lift those needs up to you. Just give us boldness, give us strength, Lord. We are called to do more for your kingdom. So I pray for that obedience, that obedience and beyond to fill our lives, to infiltrate our souls and consume us from the inside out, Lord God. You are welcome here. Your Holy Spirit is welcome here. And I pray for those in the room that maybe have heard this, but they just, they really don't have a relationship with you, Lord God. They've heard of Jesus. They've heard of God but they've truly never experienced the life-changing spirit that you have to offer us, Lord God. And I pray for those that maybe have had a, an encounter in the past and consider themselves Christians, but they feel like, hey, I'm, 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 I'm sliding back and I'm not doing all that I could do. Those that maybe want to rededicate their lives to Jesus, I, I, I lift those up to you, those that, that maybe want to accept Jesus in their life for the first time or maybe accept Jesus for the first time in a long time. If that is you in the building, I've got some great news for you. There is a God in heaven that loves you. His name is Jesus Christ. He died for you. He wants you to be full of his spirit and he wants to forgive you of the iniquities and the sin that has kept you pulled down in your life. That is available to you. But you've got to understand you have to invite him in. And you need to understand that sin has corrupted your life. You need to realize that there's nothing you could do to earn this salvation. That all we are are sinners in need of a savior. But that's what makes it so amazing is Jesus is that savior for us. So if you want to accept Christ in your heart for the first time or the first time in a long time, you have to ask him in and you'll say things like this, Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, I love you. God, I am a sinner in need of saving. 
And this next part is important. You have to say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead to forgive me of my sins. And I ask you to be my personal Lord and personal Savior to save me from myself. I can never be good enough, but you were perfect for me. It says in Romans, if you say things like that, that you are saved. And you can expect a transformation from the inside out and the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to start flowing out of you if you continue to live your faith to the brim. So, Lord God, I ask for those that want you in their lives to pray that prayer. And I thank you just for this opportunity to even give that chance for those that maybe want you in their lives. Lord God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for all that you did today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ or if your life has been impacted in any way, please send us an email at info at We would love to hear your story. And for those that committed your life to Christ, we want to help you on your new journey by sending our free Start Bible Kit in the mail. If you'd like to partner with us financially, simply click on the Give tab at ChristCove.net. There it will take you to a safe and secure page where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift to help us accomplish our vision, heaven full and hell empty. And as always, you can find out more about Christ Covenant on our website or on Facebook or Instagram at ChristCoveHouston. 